This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. Well, awesome. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Treft, I actually watched his interview on your podcast. I, yeah. I saw him at Silicon Slopes, and he told me about your podcast, and I was just like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And so I listened to his episode and I thought it was awesome because he shared, I mean, just so many amazing little nuggets in there. He was sharing about how he went to that adolescent facility and I loved it because I went to an adolescent facility for, oh, wow. yeah, for 15 months when I was 16 and, oh my gosh, that's way longer than his. And I thought his was long. Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of just like the start of a long journey of, uh, treatment centers for me, but. Um, yeah, I just, I thought it was so cool. And I mean, just so many things stood out to me that like, I'd love to like bring up right now, but it's okay. I want to talk about you. So, well, no, I mean, yeah, feel free to talk about whatever you want. I think he would be a great interview. I do too. And I tried to tell him and he said, I don't do podcasts. I was like, uh, why not? And he said that he made an exception for yours. (laughs) Oh man. He is very nice to me. He's always been super supportive of whatever I've done. And what's cool is I probably got more feedback from his episode than anyone else's. Really? Like more, more messaging saying, like, I really relate to the way he thinks. I really, like, can get, like, his perspective is my perspective. And they just felt, like, at home with him. And so yeah. I think that's funny that he says he won't do podcasts. He's a, he's an effective teacher. He Oh, I sat at Silicon Slopes with him for like literally three hours sitting there talking to him. And just one of the things he said on your podcast was I was telling him about how, you know, I'm so busy. Like I work full time. I'm a mom. I have the podcast. And I was telling him about like church callings on top of all of this. And Mm -hmm. he said something about how when we're when it's really a sacrifice And when you're really like pushed for like, it's a sacrifice for you because you are truly like stretched. That is when true like internal, I don't know, refinement happens. And I am totally butchering this. He said it way more poetically than I I can, but it was so profound for me. And it was, it's something that I will never forget because I'm at a phase in my life where things are wild for me. Like I am so busy. Like we just moved. I have all this stuff going on. Mm. And that was something that I will never forget. Just, you know, embrace the hard because when you are really stretched, that's like when you're being refined. So anyway, I love that. I love that. He said on the episode, he said, I'm not interested in an easy life. Mm-hmm. because isn't that what most people want they just want mm-hmm. i just want i just want a break i just want a freaking break just give me mm-hmm. and he's like i'm not interested in that because he he has like eternal perspective i mean like and i, I feel so blessed to meet with all these guys and it's like they go through all these hard things and they come out so strong and refined and if we just sit hoping to just catch a break all the time we may you know, find some reprieve, which is always welcome. But man, we don't turn into the people we're supposed to be, that we're destined to be. And uh, that's one of the things I love about Trev. And that's what, mm-hmm. that's what I love about Christ too, is like he he did the hard thing over and over, like the thing that needed to be done. He did it because it was the right thing to do. And he got very few breaks, you know? Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, he's the, he's the exemplar. 
I love that so much. So I, I want to jump into your story, but tell us a little bit about your podcast. I'm sure your story has something to do with your podcast, but just the concept. I yeah. just love. I am, I live in Provo and I'm a composer, music producer, and I have an awesome wife. I know your wife. Okay. So she's, she's great. And the last couple of years have been extremely hard. So she had some health issues that kind of took her out of, aside from COVID knocking out tons of business, took her out of like, she was in bed for like a year and a half and just trying to figure out that. And so the last couple of years have been like brutal. So from a two income family to a one income family, and then even that, like being in, in music sometimes, like the budgets of so many things got slashed, the whole world changed. And then a lot of times I felt like I was a single dad. Being not confident in my career, having a wife that was going through really hard things, feeling like I'm a single dad and all these things just coming down. I mean, it was like a really, 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 probably the, it was the hardest time of my life. I didn't even know it was the hardest time of my life, but I sat in isolation with it and just said, yeah, I'm just going to tough it out. And this is, you know, what we do. I didn't realize how hard it was until it, the clouds kind of parted and things got back to normal. And I realized what God had done with my heart. And I realized that I just have so much compassion now for specifically men my age, like dudes that are raising kids in this extremely confusing world of social media and all these ideas that are so against like common sense. I, and like try to make a living, try to be a good husband. The role of masculinity is under attack. Like the roles of men, we're all confused. Like what, what do you want us to do? Like, so I just felt this like immense compassion. I felt like God just ripped open my heart and I just loved men. I just, I like I'd walk around grocery stores and be like, I just love you. I love you. Not, not specifically men. I just loved everyone. I just love you. I don't know what you're going through, but I love you. I just had this. And then I was driving to California to go see in-laws and I'm just going to say it. God said, you're going to start a podcast called the men who love God. And here's the mission. It's to help men feel less alone in their struggles. And you're going to showcase good dudes living life with the, with the help of the divine, like seeking the divine. And I'm like, this is the last thing I want. I just want to like do music and get back into the flow of things. But it came so clearly. I'm like, I know I have to figure this out, but I just really don't want to do this because I, I don't like being like the face of anything. My wife is the, the showy one. She likes to be on stage and I'm like the back. I'm like the guy on the mixing board, you know? So I was like, this is, this is not going to be good, but I'm like, you chose me. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to think on it. And then a couple of days later, I had a buddy who I hadn't talked to in like eight to 10 years call me and he's like a TV producer. And he's like, what are you working on? And I told him all these cool musical ideas. I had these projects that I thought he might be interested in. He didn't care at all. Then at the end I, I said, and then I got this idea. I want to do a podcast called the men who love God. He, before I can even finish, he says, I'm in, I'm backing it. Let's go. And wow. so that was like its total answer to prayer because now I have some funding. And the reason why it's high quality is like, I'll do the interviews. I, I like, I, I research, I see who I want to talk to. And then I send all the footage and stuff off to him and his team and they do all the social and they do all the editing and they do all that stuff. And so it's like this huge blessing where God's like, yeah, I need you to do it. Have some faith in it. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And then he provided a way. And so that, that really solidified like, okay, this is a thing. From then on, I, I've just reached out to all these people and no one says no. Like I, I've had huge people come on and I tell them what their goal is. I'm like, absolutely. So my life has dramatically changed. I'm just talking to all these guys with amazing life experience 
and they teach me so much, so much. And I just, I take all these jewels and I'm implementing it, just living my best life. And I feel so freaking blessed to have those hard times and that I stayed true to God. I kind of committed to God. I'm like, I don't feel blessed at all through this, these hard things, but I, I know you're there. I believe you're there and I'm sticking with you. I'm like, I'm in it. And sure enough, like it didn't speed up the process or maybe it did. I don't know, but I still went through it, but it came out on the other end. Just so like grateful. So tell me a little bit about like your story, like how you grew up in the church. You went on a mission. I heard you say all the things and tell us a little bit about like your life. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I was born in Texas and then moved to Utah, like when I was five or six and I grew up in Cedar Hills and to a very like traditional LDS family, good values. And then went to high school at Lone Peak, you know, lived, moved to Alpine as a teenager yeah, grew up playing the piano, you know, camping, playing in rock bands, and just being like a kind of a normal goofy teenager. And then went on went on a mission to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where where I met Trap. And that was uh, from 2001 to 2003, and then came home and did a bunch of odd and end jobs. But ultimately, I knew my goal was music. My patriarchal blessing actually talks about music as like the one thing. So I knew that was going to be a big part of my life, but it wasn't that specific because there's so many things to do in music. I didn't know what that meant. So when I got back from a mission, I got into an, a job that was, that paid well, had nothing to do with music. And we, I got married, had a kid. When we were pregnant with our second son, I lost that job. And this was like in 2012, the company went under and my wife, who's amazing and incredibly brave said, okay, it's time to like do music. And I'm like, this is really scary. You know, we lost this amazing job and like, I don't know what to do. So we kind of just united with God and it was extremely powerful and then just hustled and went into it and started a career in music. And so now I've built a stock music library and I do stuff like the Utah Jazz. That's a fun client. I do film and documentary and just produce albums for artists. And it's a really fun career. That is so cool. I wish we would have hit you up for our intro music. We kind of just like, like, hmm, let's just. Go on Google and see what. <laughs> hey, when you when you revamp and do season two, I'll help you out. Okay, sweet. So, okay, so you you just took this jump into music. Life's going good. You're starting to build things up. So, tell us a little bit more about like, was it kind of like when 2020 hit that you kind of went through like a a little faith wobble? No, no, no. 2020 was the hard, like a dark period of my life, but actually probably around like 2013 or a couple of years after I lost that job is when what I say is I went through a faith crisis. I deconstructed everything down to the bones and then rebuilt it. So what was it that like triggered that, you know, you're uh, living your life. Like what was the thing that triggered that? I don't know how I came across the CES letter, but that was the starting point. The infamous CES letter. The infamous. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what, that's doing anymore if there's been apologists that have rebuffed it i have oh, no idea yeah tons tons okay i'm sure it has i'm sure it has but you know being in like music and not having a stable income i'd wake up in the middle of the night kind of panicking at times you know like okay how are we gonna pay for the mortgage and i don't know why but i remember it was one night i found that but i read it and this is the thing reading things in the middle of the night is never a great idea it's i don't know i don't know why it's just your brain just goes into dark places i just i I don't do it. It's not a good idea. But I read the CES letter. There's so much information. It's just like a bombardment 
of all these claims, right? Just so much. And you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like I felt like the rug was swept, swept out from under me. I guess up to that point, I was what you would call a TBM, a true believing Mormon. I guess that's kind of the vernacular. Actually, uh, I haven't heard that. And I'm surprised yeah, I haven't, but. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I remember like John DeLynn seemed like a good idea at the time. I'm just like laughing now. And so I felt like some commiseration, you know, kind of, and this was back before he was totally like gone and totally like antagonistic. So he was kind of like this soft landing point. Like, if you feel this way, don't worry, here's, here's what to do and stuff. And I kind of felt like there's a community there with that, but I can't even describe the despair I felt. I felt like I had been lied to my whole life. I felt like truth was hidden, you know, facts were hidden. It was so dark. I was elders quorum president at the time. And I remember feeling so conflicted. I went and talked to the bishop who I loved so much. And it was just like, he's so Christ-like. I told him how I felt. I'm like, I don't think I can pray in church anymore. I don't think I believe this stuff. I kind of just laid out exactly how I felt, which is really hard to do when you have a position in the church where you're responsible for other people. I, mm -hmm. I felt he was just cool about it. He's like, okay, well, he's like, do you want to be released or stay in? And he kind of like just said, just stay in. I said, okay, but it's going to be different for me. It's, it's like, I see things really different. Looking back, I made a huge mistake not telling my wife any of this. Like she had no idea, like as a man or just as someone who thinks this way, I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk about something that I wasn't sure of either way, which is a really bad idea. And so she had no idea. And when I told her later that I went through this, she felt betrayed and rightly so. But I, I'm, I, I didn't want to like spook her out of the church because I didn't know what was going on out of the gospel. And so I didn't say anything to her. And I really feel bad about it. But back at the time, yeah, my bishop was just like, okay, cool. And just loved me. And, and it didn't even... He wasn't trying to refute any doctrine or anything like that. He just was just super accepting and didn't judge, which is such an amazing lesson when people struggle. It's just okay. Like, I just realized that everyone is in Christ's hands. Like, I don't care how they may seem or feel or like, and, and I know like when my kids have hard times, I just, I just really believe that Christ has everyone. We don't have to like go to battle and draw lines and be, and be so like attached to an outcome attached to to it anyway he taught me that he taught me that it was beautiful this is one of the miracles that happened i still prayed and i you know i kind of deconstructed everything and like okay i've always had a belief in god he makes sense to me so i stuck with that jesus made sense those teachings are beautiful the joseph smith thing was very difficult right i mean if you take the cs letter at face value which i probably did at the time it's like joseph smith is a very difficult figure to to accept but I told Heavenly Father, I'm like, I see uh, these benefits of being in the church, even if I'm not like 100% doctrinally aligned with it. Like the community is beautiful. You know, we help each other. We mourn with those who mourn. And, and that really is just a value that I have and want to be a part of. And I'm like, even if I raise my kids in it, I think, I think this is the way I want to do it. So I went to church for probably like six months to a year, completely void of any doctrinal alignment, but there to like commune with people in the community. And then I, I told Heavenly Father, I'll do this. This will be my life, but I, I would love answers. I would love to help you build back what you want me to know. This is so cool. We got offered to go stay at this place 
fall was coming, and this is 2014, and Allison and I wanted to go to New England to see like leaves. We've always wanted to do that. And like serendipitously, someone who follows Allison offered us to come stay for free at this inn in Vermont. It's called the Snapdragon Inn. And we're like, yeah, heck yeah, let's do it. So we bought plane tickets with this like beautiful bed and breakfast, this historic home. And we're like, yes, this is gonna be so freaking fun. So we go out there and I'm like, Joseph Smith was born in Sharon, Sharon, Vermont. Like he's out here. That was in the back of my mind. And I'm like, it just kind of nagged at me that I should go see that while we were there. We stayed there and like hung out with these women who were so rad who owned the Snapdragon Inn. And we were boating and driving up to uh, Burlington and just doing all these day trips. And I'm like, we should just, just go see this. You know, there's a church site. Let's just go see it. And like, there was so much resistance to go see it, but it was just this nagging. It's like, just go see it. Just like do it. And so the very last day I just like had to push through it. And Allison wasn't against it at all. We just had all these things like lining up in front of it. So we finally make it out there on the last day before we go home. It's not very built out like Nauvoo or like Palmyra. It's kind of like a small visitor center. I don't even know if it was open at the time. We were just wandering and I kind of walked off by myself. And I walked down to where like his house was. It's, I think it's just like cornerstones now or just like a foundation that says here's where he, Joseph Smith was born. And I had this amazing experience. It wasn't like learning that the Book of Mormon is true or that how we talk about that. But I looked at this little stone that says, here's where Joseph Smith was born. And I had this, like the most peaceful, beautiful experience where I could just feel God's love for Joseph Smith. Not in the way that he did anything, but just the love that he was a child of God and that God loved him. And it just like sank through me. And I sat there for a moment, just like, wow, this is pretty amazing it wasn't like did everything he do was right you know what i'm saying it was different it wasn't like he's a true prophet here you go here's your like clean answer it's just like i i love this where this baby was born i love this i loved joseph and that just was such like a balm to my soul and it didn't answer any of my questions (laughs) but it started me on this thing where it's like yeah god is love god loves his children and then i was able to like go back and through throughout the years, just be able to build back this extremely strong now testimony of how God calls prophets, right? And not judging quickly and the bombardments of information. It's it was it's just such a sweet lesson when you look objectively. But what's hard is when we identify and try to de- to defend something our identities get sucked up in that. There's these lines in the sand where you have to just like take all the bad with the good. And I just don't think that's what God is asking us to do. I mean, the whole goal is to return to him, to become like him. And we know no one's perfect, but he does qualify who he calls. I mean, I feel like he calls me to do stuff that I'm not qualified for at all. But if I'm willing to do it and I sin every single day, that he qualifies me. And now I just have a testimony of the prophet Joseph. I don't think many people have any idea what he went through. The quick judgments people give him, I just don't think we have any idea. And so now, I don't know, I just feel so blessed to have that experience that we got a random trip to Vermont. I got there, had this spiritual experience. Like it was just this like nice blessing to like start me on my path back to like building my testimony from nothing again. Wow. That is so amazing. 
so after you left, did you feel like you were able to kind of just like jump back in, pick up where you left off kind of a thing? Or what was, what was it like for you to kind of? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think, I just felt at peace and things didn't, things weren't so heavy and so weighty. I don't have to have like a testimony on every doctrinal point or like, I just didn't feel like I had to have that. I just felt like things didn't matter as much, not like the weight of eternity, but like all the things that I used to get caught up on just didn't, it didn't hold me or like seem like this, like a divider in my mind or spirit anymore. And so with that, like, I've, I've just learned that like, Christ is the exemplar. And there's an amazing podcast with Stephen Jones and Don Bradley, Let's Get Real podcast. And Don Bradley oh, yes. talked about, he talked about how Christ is the, is the exemplar. And that's the one. That's it. There's like no other exemplars. Mm -hmm. Joseph Smith is not an exemplar. Moses was not an exemplar. The Jews held up Moses as the exemplar, and then they couldn't see the real one, right? If we hold up Joseph Smith as the exemplar, as, he, as if he was this perfect person, and we have to agree on every single thing that happened, we're going to miss the point just like the Jews missing Christ. I don't want to miss Christ. It's like Christ is the exemplar. I think that we don't put enough weight on by the fruits. You shall know them, the fruits of the gospel. Oh my like, God. Yes. Like, that's it. <laughs> it is so true. I think about that all the time, how your Bishop that you went to when you told him, like, mm -hmm. look at the fruits of that human, you mm -hmm. know, look at the fruits of just the, some of the people that you know that are like living the gospel in its truest form and the fruits of their life and how can you deny i mean you can't deny it <laughs> the fruits the yeah it's very dishonest to deny that mm -hmm. and so yeah yeah so i just try to be really careful of missing the mark on things letter of the law spirit of the law that's a fine it, line there i it is i think um when i first came back after my whole like thing that i went through I feel like I almost was extremely black and white, like extremely, if I do this, then I could go back to my old life and I don't want that. So I am like, you know, and I've kind of like had some confession sessions and in, in previous podcasts where I'm like, you know what? I am not great at ministering. I'm not, if I'm your ministering sister, like, I am so sorry. Cause I like dropped the ball <laughs> big time or yeah. like, I want to be better at come follow me. And I'm kind of not good at it. Like I'm not. And I, you know, and there's other things like, you know, here and there, but the thing that I've realized now is that I can still like live my life with integrity and I can still be okay with my testimony and where I'm at, even though I'm not perfect, I can accept myself for that, which is hard. But I mean, to like switch that mindset and move from like this black and white thinking to like this golden thinking. It is. It's the checklist thinking, which helps a lot of brains and a lot of people. And it also can be detrimental to others. I would say this, like your podcast is doing so much good and you're leaning into your strengths. And it doesn't serve you to like beat yourself up because you didn't check the whole list of everything. And like, we all have our strengths and Christ just strengthens our strengths. Right. And he makes up for the rest that are weak. And so, I mean, you're doing awesome. I wouldn't Thank feel bad you. about your ministering and all that. You're, you're really putting your strength into like this amazing podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. And I mean, hearing your passion come from it, isn't it like a cool thing when you can actually like 
It's like when you're, you're doing all the things and I think that's awesome. But like when you take it a step further and it's like, you're feeling all the things, like, it's not about, I feel like I'm, I'm not measuring up in all these places. Like if you're actually like, Hey, I'm going to go to church because I want to meet God there. And I want to experience like a relationship with God at church. Like that's where, why I'm going. Mm -hmm. It's not because it's what I'm supposed to do. It's not because people are expecting me to. It's because I am going there to meet God there and feel him there. Yeah, it is how we look at things. And it is very, you know, life is very repetitious with all the things we do every day. We go to work, we put the kids to bed. We, and so sometimes... And quite often, like church and worship falls into that. And I think that's where we get super complacent. And I, and I hated hearing this, but in my life, it's like the honest prayers and the honest study of the gospel. Those things really do keep me daily wanting to be close to God in the prayer. And when I can honestly pray, get, help me to want what you want. That like helps me. And I'm not always like that, but there's a stark difference when that is my life. And then I do go seek for God instead of like, I should go to church because I have a calling and I got to teach and all this kind of stuff. And it's mundane. And I just feel so lucky because I talk to these spiritual guys all the time. So I'm on a spiritual high in my life right now. But it's those prayers of help me to want what you want, like sincerely. And so much power comes from that. I can hear in my mind President Eyring saying that. And he said it in a talk, I think it was last general conference, but the way that he said it, which was just like, help me want what you want or something along those mm -hmm. lines. And it was just so like pierces to the core how mm -hmm. he says that. And it's like the one thing you can truly give God is your, your will. And I just love that so much because sometimes we get so caught up in like, what I want and what I think is best and like the agenda that I have for my life to shift that to, Hey, like I am willing to face what you have in store for me. And I, I am willing to step into that place and I want to want what you want for me. Yes. I, I totally agree. I was talking to uh, John Deloney on my podcast and he's, he's awesome. He's right. We just came out with the an awesome book called building a non-anxious life. And uh, we were talking about how we worship our jobs. We worship our bodies. We worship our possessions and our, 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 our. And, and he's talking about how we, the cliche, follow your own heart is the stupidest thing to follow your own heart. Yeah. Our hearts fail us every day. Like our hearts are so emotional. I mean, we're we up high and then down low and we don't make good decisions all the time. And you talk about how dumb that was as opposed to Christ saying, like, follow me, like, give your heart to me, you know, take up your cross and follow me. And I think that can sound pretty, pretty harsh to someone who, you know, takes pride in the choices they're making and the life they're living, their the identity they're forging. But true happiness and peace is coming from the creator who made us and knows us and knows our, our best path forward. When I try to do my own thing and try to be cool, and I mean, it never just works out as well not even close to when i say okay like let me follow your heart let me give my heart to you like you said we have one thing and that's our free will that's the one thing god can't take and when we give it back to him we get so much peace and freedom love that so much so tell me some of the things that you do on a regular basis that help you maintain this spiritual high that you've developed from doing this podcast like 
how would you say that you maintain this close connection to God when we have all these things that are we're busy with like kids and work and all the things like how do you maintain that connection that's a great question these things that i do all come from guests that i have and this is why i feel so honored and blessed to be able to talk to, to do the podcast i do my very first guest kevin arneg he was the ceo of so, so delicious he came on he's a good friend and he said that he deleted all his news apps i took that out of my life oh my gosh night and day you're still going to get news you're still going to be informed from friends or whatever so it's not like you're going to be totally uninformed, but just having that negative influence out of my life cleared so much space for me to put good stuff in it. I get up at five in the morning now. I go to the gym with a buddy every day. First thing I come back, I do a chapter of the Book of Mormon, chapter of the Bible, take my kids to school. And then I usually come back after they're done and do some more reading. I think reading's essential. Like if we become who we listen to, right? If I'm If I'm on social media, just looking at, nonsense and that's what my mind's full of if i come back and filling my mind with the word of god and good books then that's that puts you on the path i'm trying to be better at journaling and then a sincere prayer i'm also like eating healthier so mind body spirit trying to like the trifecta to like i was i was on a run i actually did a marathon this year and um i was on a run and i had a i had a thought that came to me and it said the best way i can honor my creator is to honor his creation which is me and so that's my mind, body, and spirit, taking care of all three. So those are, that's my morning. And I, I really, to me, it's like, if I can get the morning right, the rest of the day just falls into place. And so, yeah, get up early, work out, read, spend time with your kids, make sure my phone's on my phone when I'm with them, just like, you know, enjoy that time. So that that's, yeah, that's kind of my daily life right now. Man, it's the five in the morning thing that I just, that would be so hard for me. Oh, it is hard. That's why you do it though, because it's hard. <laughs> just like I would trust have to take a major nap during the day if I was getting up at five. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I do. I, I don't think naps are bad. In fact, after you take a little nap, you feel it's like you're ready for the second half. You feel yes. great. So yeah, I'm a major. I'm a nap advocate, 100. I'm like people at my work. I'm like, hey, if I'm like offline for 30 minutes, it's probably because I'm napping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Just I'm, I'm an advocate. What is some of the biggest things that you have learned from doing the podcast? What are some things that you feel like maybe common themes that you've seen throughout your guests or trial and pain refines people? Most of the men that I've talked to have just gone through really dark, hard stuff. Those that navigate it whether poorly at the time or whatever, if you integrate God in that beauty for ashes, right? Christ can turn anything terrible into something beautiful. That also teaches me that most people, well, not most, everyone's going through something. Everyone's going through something really difficult. Kindness is so essential to heal people. Non-judgment, kindness. I really like a lot of the themes are like a term that came up with uh this guy, he's an artist, Dan Wilson. When he was like getting to his painting career and was very uncertain with things, he decided to buckle himself to Christ. Like when things get hard, he buckles himself to Christ. And it seems that most men are doing that. And what's so cool is like, these are the strongest men I know. Like these are such strong, like you would look at them and they're amazing powerhouses, but they give the glory and the credit to Christ who truly strength, strengthens them. And that that's like, 
so powerful to me. That just has helped me trust Christ and want to even cleave unto him and his gospel more. So I think that's probably the theme is like, there are so many good guys out there trying to do what's right. And it's important to strengthen each other and to share stories and stories are how we learn and remember things. And so that's kind of the goal of the podcast. And it's just been great. I love it so much. So what advice would you have for somebody that maybe they just encountered the CES letter, or maybe they feel like, you know, they're just barely starting down that path and they don't know what to do. What advice would you have for somebody that's kind of going through that? Hmm. Well, you're not alone. (laughs) Many people have done it. Uh, Many people have felt and had those exact same questions. Your suffering isn't unique. I know that might sound a little harsh, but I mean, that's why it's so good to reach out and talk to people, especially people close to you, because I think I could have had less suffering if I would have opened up to my wife and people closer to me. My testimony about this is like, God is in charge of all things. Christ has already taken care of it. And even if you go away from God and Jesus for a while, man, give yourself a break and realize that you have free will and that is a gift and go for it, explore, and just remember. I would also say remember. I love in the scriptures how it says remember all the time. Remember how I delivered you. Remember this. And that's one thing I did is I always would look back and be like, the church has blessed me. The restoration has blessed me. And I'd remember these are good things. That's why I didn't couldn't walk away completely. And so just remember the good things. And even if you don't come back, just remember the positive things you have and be honest about it. And maybe there's some hard things too. Obviously there's hard things because it's a church of humans. Just remember the good things and be honest. Be honest on all aspects. And I would say have an open heart. An open heart. I I think God's going to take care of you either way. And so that would be my recommendation. I love it so much. Well, Eric, any final thoughts? You are so awesome. I am so glad that I got to have you on the podcast. I, I mean... When Treff suggested you come on, like you did not disappoint. Like you were just so full of spiritual wisdom. And I can't wait to call my editor and be like, oh my gosh, I have the best episode. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad you trusted me because I this is my first episode being a guest. My wife and I have done a podcast for years and I have mine, but I'm always asking questions. So thanks for trusting me. I'm just honored to be here. And really, I'm just going to give all the credit to Christ and the amazing people surrounding me. I mean, I just feel like the trials I've went through, I'm so grateful for because it, like I said, it ripped open my heart and my soul to be able to just receive and take in good things and to hear God's voice. I mean, pain is so awful and I wish people didn't have to go through it, but that is where, that's where we're stripped of all the unnecessary stuff. It, it, it just, it's just how it is. If we do it with Christ, beauty for ashes. I mean, the beauty that comes from it's amazing. And so I would say, uh, no matter how far you feel from God, he is rooting for you. I also believe Heavenly Mother is right there, like arms around you. I, I truly believe that she is so involved in our lives. I, I love that doctrine. Like makes me want to cry when I think about a Heavenly Mother. So I believe our Heavenly Parents are so excited to see us grow. And just like when I look at my own kids suffer, it's like, oh, it just breaks my freaking heart. But I know that, like, they can count on me always being there. So how much more is God going to be there for us? Yep. That is so beautiful. 
Well, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time. You're amazing. And I, I'm so grateful we got to have this time with you. And everybody, check out Eric's podcast, Men Who Love God. Any, are you on YouTube too? Ah, yeah, we're, we're on YouTube okay. and uh, yeah, all, wherever you can find it. Actually, thank you for doing this. I, okay. I want to say like, we always share about people leaving, but I've been hearing more stories, not even from your podcast, just like people talking about people coming back, missing it, having that hole and that void. And they're like, I'm coming back and bringing my kids. And so um, I really do feel like there's like a change in the ether of the world. And like, there's, there's people that are waking up and, you know, coming back to Christ. And so it's a very exciting time. And I'm so grateful for the work you're doing. Like you really are doing something that will, you're just pushing people, just giving them an extra nudge. So thank you for what you do. Thank you. And if you know anyone that's coming back, you send them my way. I will. Absolutely will. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Eric. Hey, guys. First off, I want to give you a heartfelt thank you to all of you that support the podcast. We wouldn't be able to get this message out without all of your help. So thank you so much. I've had a few questions come in from people that aren't on social media, so I just wanted to let you guys know that we do have a website. It's www.comebackpodcast.org. You can find all of our episodes here. Um, there's a list of our book club selections, and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks again. We love you guys so much.